0: God bless you all. Welcome everyone. Dios te bendiga. Um, let me record already. Recording in progress. It's a blessing to have you all join. <clears throat> um, if you guys have your Bibles, I have said in the chat, if you would like to turn to Ephesians chapter three, um, if. In any case I tend to cut out due to poor internet connection Um, please just advise me let me know and I will switch to my phone but again Ephesians chapter 3 verse 16 if you guys have it say amen 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 and I I wanna <clears throat> I want to let you guys know that um there there's something and even if it's in the chat or even if it's just reactions I just want to let you know that there's something about the nature of of a dialogue in in preaching <clears throat> when it's when it's just a monologue, when it's just me speaking and there's no feedback, I think that, that does something in the atmosphere. Um, there's something biblical about, there's something There's something good about saying amen. It's a biblical term. It comes from the Greek word amen, and it means so be it, or let it be. <clears throat> and I think when we express an amen, whether that's through text, or um, I'll go ahead, uh, Brother Malachi. No, I was about to say, like, that's crazy um, that that, like, means that in the Greek because I used to be, like, part of this Californian, like, spiritual society. Uh-huh. And they would say, like, and so it is instead of, like, amen or something like that. Like, they would have some phrase with it is or something like that. Like, their own version of amen. It's kind of crazy that you said that. Oh, uh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, that's that's what that means. So be it or let it be. Um, or it's it's um yeah, so it um it's affirming the truth of God and embracing it as your own and um, <clears throat> so that's why the Bible says that all the promises of God are yes and in, amen in him, right so whatever promise of God that you find within the scriptures um as you petition it to the Father in the Lord's name, those petitions are amen. In other words, let it be. So be it. Yes, it's affirmed. It's, it's, um, it's accepted. And so, um, amen, <clears throat> whether you know it or not, is, is an implicit praise to God. So, unless, of course, I'm preaching something false, then your amens are ungrounded. There's, there's nothing for your amen to stand on. But if what I am proclaiming to you is in fact the truth, then your amen is grounded on, in the truth of God's word. <clears throat> so um, when, when you do express an amen, and if it's founded on truth, then it's, it's, a, it's an, an implicit way to say unto the Lord, amen, your, your, your word is truth. And as we acknowledge the word of God to be true, like the Bible says in Romans, I believe in the third chapter, and, and and Paul cites the Psalms: "Let God be true, and every man a liar." It doesn't mean that every man is in fact a liar, because obviously the Bible wouldn't command us to tell the truth. And he that uh, used to steal still no longer, rather speaking the truth in love. But that is to say that apart from Jesus Christ, God knows what's in man. And man is frail, and man is self-seeking, and without the power of the Holy Spirit, all men are liars. Uh, Ultimately, the final authority is what the Word of God declares. Not science, not philosophy, not psychology, not uh, math. The Word of God is more certain than mathematical uh, laws. It, the Word of God is more certain than, than physical laws and 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 metaphysics and whatever it is that you can think of, whatever subject that you can entertain, the Word of God is more certain than that. <clears throat> and this is why you ought not to believe the devil. And this is why you ought not to get into an intellectual wrestling match with the devil because he will fold you over and he will back you into a corner in a, fe- in a fetal position and-, and he will tap you out. You're-, you're dealing with an ancient serpent who has at least 10,000 years of studying and strategizing and plotting and conspiring against men to kill, steal and destroy, to deceive. He holds the whole world in sway, billions of people intellectual intelligent people yet nonetheless are deceived by the enemy this is why we rely simply on faith in the word of god and if you rely on the simplicity of faith by the power of the holy spirit you will not be defeated and this is this is what you have to learn because the devil's going to try to enact Uh, uh, these high places in your mind to to rise up against the knowledge of God and will lead you into a life of speculation. I wonder this. I wonder that. I wonder God this. I wonder God that. And, And so what you need is the inner witness of the Holy Spirit to bear record to the truth of God's word, right? If you get stuck in your head, It's going to lead to anxiety, it's going to lead to depression, it's going to lead to a lack of faith. This is why it says in Philippians chapter 4 verse 8, don't worry about anything. Some of you might think your rational mind comes up, well who can possibly do that? Well if it's in the word of God you can do it through Christ. Not through ourselves, but through Christ you can do it. Don't worry about anything but in everything, by prayer and petition, present your request to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. But, <clears throat> um, nonetheless, that's, that's what we're saying when we say amen. But, without further ado, um, I, I do want to get right into the teaching. Um, <clears throat> and I hope that I will be able to do this... Um, In a thorough manner, I want to be as clear as possible. I don't necessarily intend on preaching to you per se today. Rather, I hope to provide a very clear description of a specific topic. And that topic is, is tongues. Um, that might be a disappointment to some of you. That might be an enjoyment for some of you. But whether wherever you fall within the spectrum of whether you, you would like to hear something else, um, let me assure you this, that it's the Word of God. And then Paul tells us in Ephesians, in Ephesians uh, Acts chapter 20, to the Ephesian elders, he says, I did not shun to declare unto you the full counsel of God. And so if it's in the Holy Scriptures, I intend on preaching on it. Amen? Amen. I mean something as simple as Jesus wept can make for a sermon. How many of us weep? That's that, that there's there's very simple truths in the scripture that that are so important. But with that with that said, let us uh pray. I want to invite you guys to pray along with me <clears throat> for the for the blessing of, of the hearing of God's word. Lord, we come before you, Father. And I thank you, God, for this day. I thank you, Lord, for um, your blessed Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, that you reign. I thank you, God, that you right now, Father, are sitting on the throne and, and no one can impeach you, no one can dethrone you. We thank you, Father, that you you are God and God alone. We thank you, Father, that you have all power. We thank you, God, that you're not fumbling in heaven trying to figure out a plan to rescue humanity, Lord. But your word tells us that you were slain before the foundations of the world. For that, Lord, we thank you that the Lamb was slain for our sin. We thank you, Lord, that no matter how grotesque and and depraved and, and, and deep and dark our sin was, Lord, that your blood is sufficient to cleanse us from all sin. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, I pray, God, right now in the mighty name of Jesus, that you would empower me to speak your word. Lord, your word tells me in John that apart from you I can do no good thing. So, Father, I pray that you would incite faith in my heart, that your anointing would rest upon me, God. I pray that your anointing would rest in this meeting, Lord. And I pray that you would provide clarity to all the hearers. I pray that you would remove all manner of distractions. Father, I pray, God, that you would bring low every satanic thought that would try to rise up against the knowledge of God, that you would demolish strongholds, Lord. Father, I pray that you would set at liberty those that are taking bondage. Father, I pray, God, that you would incite in our hearts, Lord, a hunger if we don't have this gift, Father, for us to seek earnestly after this gift. Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would give us a hunger and that you would give us a faith, Lord. Father, I pray that if our minds are unable to comprehend this reality, Lord, that you would help us to subdue that rational mind, Lord, that you would help us to bring low every thought that may consider itself to be reasonable but is anti-biblical. Father, I pray your word is the final authority, Lord, and this is what your word declares, So, Father, I pray that those that have any skepticism to it, Lord, that you help them with their skepticism, Lord. If, Lord, they have any predisposition that, that doesn't open their hearts to this reality, Father, I pray that for their own profit and for their own benefit, God, that you would soften the hearts, that you would assure them, Lord, that you would bear record by the Holy Spirit to the preaching of your word. Hallelujah. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Um, As I've mentioned already, I want to talk to you guys today. I want to teach you guys about the reality of of praying in tongues. Now, it's been an entire... over a year, and I haven't spoken on tongues. I've spoken on it in passing, (coughs) but I haven't composed a, a teaching... On, on this specific reality and primarily for a purpose and, and it was the prime some of you I understand that we have different backgrounds some of us um, are very familiar with tongues some of us grew up in church um, having heard our parents speak in tongues um, I'm sure some of, there are some of you here that uh, um, have seen that um, or your family members but some of us it's not the case Some of us have uh, grown up in the streets. Some of us have grown up in the occult. Some of us have grown up in in orthodoxy or or Catholicism. And so we're not familiar with this. But let me just say um, straight from the gate, whether you like this term or not, um, I understand that some of you might say, where is that in the Bible? But um, for all intents and purposes, we are defined as charismatics. You might say what does that mean? And this relates to tongues and here's the reason why the word charismatic is is it comes from a Greek word mean charis and that word is grace. That's where we get the idea in Ephesians chapter 4 to each man is given a measure of grace when he ascended on high namely Jesus when he had gone up to heaven he gave gifts unto men Right, So to be charismatic means we believe in the gifts. We have gifts because of grace. See, I understand that some of you have been taught that grace means unmerited favor. And to an extent that's true. But if one has grace, they have gift. They have gifting on their life. Amen, so this is all channeled through the Holy Spirit. We have access to the Father by the one Spirit and that self-same spirit has distributed gifts unto all men as he has seemed fit, as he has deemed fit. Amen. So but to each one, hotdis has been given as Christ apportioned it. but to each one of us, grace, has been given as Christ apportioned it. So each and every one of you have grace. Each and every one of you have this Greek word, charis. And this is all, some of you say, you know, gifts are a secondary matter. Maybe you've heard that. You may may have heard those uh, in the church. But here's what I would say. I would say that the gifts are of primary importance. Why? Because it had taken the blood of Jesus to secure the gifts for us. If Jesus did not die and rise again and ascend to heaven, there would be no gifts. So Peter says in Joel chapter 2, no, excuse me, Peter says in Acts chapter 2, citing Joel chapter 2, he says, This is that which the prophet Joel has spoken of, When the Lord says, In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and daughters you will prophesy. So I don't know about you, but I am, in in, in a humble way, I am proud to say I am a charismatic. You might not want to say that. You might just say I am biblical. But understand, (coughs) there are many people who say they're biblical, but they're not, and they don't believe in the gifts. They say, I'm biblical and I only believe the Bible. No, you don't. You believe your own wicked imaginations that has bought into the lies of the devil to tell you that God doesn't heal today, that God don't prophesy today, that God don't do these things today, that tongues was a thing of the old and it was just human languages. No, it's not. It, it, it is a, a language endowed by God. A language endowed by God himself. We keep rationalizing the scriptures and playing origami with it to our own defeat. You know, we, we have so many books in the bookstores telling you today 10 reasons why this, 10 reasons why that and all just to excuse us out of a life of faith. As Leonard Ravenhill called them, he called them unbelieving believers. They claim themselves to be believers, but they don't believe. Now, this isn't a rebuke to any of us here, because I understand all of you enough to know that you guys do, in fact, believe in this. So don't take this as a rebuke. But with that said, um, Ephesians, and as you can see, I'm, I'm very passionate about this. The reason why I'm so passionate about this is because if we do not get the gifts back in the church we're going to be a dry church we're going to be a dead church we're going to be a a a a weak church that is incapable of demolishing the strongholds of the devil we we have all these um let me let me come down a bit we have all these pastors who want to argue and say apostles aren't for today prophets aren't for today they 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 cherry pick the scriptures but before God they're tearing out the scriptures before the Lord that's what they're doing even if they've never ripped it out of their bibles because they don't preach it anyways amen, amen. it's it's a, it's a crime it's a crime before God and i say that with with trembling i say that with so- sobriety of mind i say that with a solemn heart that <coughs> it's a crime before God And (coughs) so, Ephesians chapter (coughs) 3, verse 16. Chapter 3, verse 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power. Okay, stop there, but hold it there. It's the Greek word dunamis. It means ability, might, or power. Some of some of, some of the uh, pastors today, just uh, on the side note, who um, don't really understand how the Greek language works, they'll say it's God's dynamite, dynamite power. And they, they have mistaken this term to mean dynamite. And it doesn't mean dynamite just because it says dunamis. And we've gotten the English word dynamite from the Greek word dunamis. <clears throat> but you got to understand dynamite didn't exist at this time. So that's not what it means in the original Greek. We've taken that Greek word to mean something in English it did not mean at that time. And so when we're saying dynamite we're basically saying power. That's what dynamite is. But that's not what it means here. Okay, It means power, might, or ability. So we have ability through God. We have might through God. We have power through God. It says, through His Spirit in your inner being. Now, the reason why I I cite this passage is because I want to take note of two, two terms here. Number one is power, and number two is inner being. And as we continue reading, it says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, Paul is expressing his prayer, because this is a prayer to the church at Ephesus. He's saying, my prayer is that you would be strengthened in your man, inner man, by the Holy Spirit, according to his riches and glory. For what purpose? So that we together, as all the Lord's holy people, may be able to grasp the width, the length, the the depth, the height of the love of God that surpasses knowledge for what purpose? To the fullness of God. He says that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So there is a measure. There is a measure. There What is this measure here? I don't know if you guys in Europe use ounces, but this is 16.9 ounces. I know some of you think us Americans are crazy for miles, and when you guys use kilometers and you know all this other stuff. I wish there was this universal measurement so we can communicate more easily. Because they say, you know, I'm somewhat kilometers here. I'm said I'm American. I'm dumb. I don't know what kilometers are. <laughs> okay, so you guys say liters. Okay, but sixteen point nine fluid ounces. Well, this has that's the measurement of this of this bottle. Now, if if I live with just this here, this amount of of uh, of water in this bottle, then it cannot be said that I have the fullness of measure. All right. So what is the solution? The solution is that you would be filled, but you need power to be filled. And that power comes from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes from the rich abundance of the glory of the Father. We have access to the Father. We've been blessed with all heavenly blessings and and, and heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so through the Holy Spirit, we have access to that, but it doesn't come immediately. Right? This is what Paul says elsewhere in the scriptures. Be being filled. It's a continuous verb. You know, Charles Spurgeon said this very famously. He said that we are leaking vessels. In other words, I leak of the power of God. If you don't believe me, I mean, for example, just live a single day as a Christian, and you will know by the end of that night that you have depleted yourself of power. It works for everything in life. It works for your iPhone, some of you guys got flip phones it works for those even those they, they can run off uh, uh, a single charge for much longer, right your flip phones but it is also using less power so it can run off uh, uh, much longer a greater duration of time and that's some of our Christian lives. uh-oh some of us don't use so much power so we, we can go much longer we, we're just we're not doing anything we're not uh, harassing hell. Someone say, ouch. (laughs) I know it applies to some of us. You don't have to say it. I know you feel it. (laughs) So, but nonetheless, this power is in our inner man. And Paul tells us that we need to be filled with our inner man. Now, if you look at Ephesians chapter 2, Verse twenty one. This is what the word of the Lord says, and I, I'm going. Uh, this is I'm building up here. I'm leading to a, a a much larger point, but you just must bear with me for a moment. If you turn to Ephesians chapter two, verse twenty one, he says, "In Him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord, and in Him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit." So, on the one hand, you have Paul using language to describe the people of God as the temple of the Lord. Now, here's the thing that you must must understand, that you alone, by yourself, are not the temple. You're just not. Now, when, when the word says you are the temple, Paul used a third third person plural. That is to say, he is referring to the general audience, and it it is a plural term. It's a plural pronoun. And plural means several. It's not just one. So when he says you, it's third person plural. You together are God's temple. Now here's the thing. The inner man is the holy of holies. Because in the temple you have outer court, inner court, and you have the Holy of Holies. The Holy Spirit wants to reside within the Holy of Holies as we, being the temple of God, are being built up in Him. This is the promise of the new covenant that we don't have to go to a high priest. We don't have to enter in by the old covenantal system, which if you insist on maintaining is an insult to the blood of Jesus. We don't have to enter in by blood and bulls and goats or anything like that. Amen? We enter in by a new and living way. We enter in with a far greater covenant. We enter in through the blood of Jesus Christ. For the blood of bulls and of goats could not take away sin, but Jesus Christ having died once and for all has made propitiation for sins, the Bible says. For by one sacrifice in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 14 has he perfected forever those who are being made holy. Amen. And let that be an encouragement to you. That term right there is a is a fixed present uh, uh, past tense. <coughs> once and for all, has he perfected That comes from the Greek word telos. That means to bring to maturity, to completion. He's perfected you once and for all those who are being made holy. It is a continuous verb. So what is the, what's, how do you reconcile that? Am I perfect? Am I being made holy? Which one is it? You're perfected positionally in Christ. And from that state of perfection, he continues to perfect you more and more in practice. But it's not the practice that defines me. It is the position and the identity that de- defines me. That's why when I can wake up and I yawn and I feel like I want cookies more than I want prayer, I don't have to feel condemned because I know positionally I'm holy. <laughs> <laughs> right? Boy, oh, man. I ain't feeling spiritual did today, man. Oh, boy. I just kicked the cat. I don't have cats, by the way. I I don't like cats, but... (coughs) You get the idea, though. But we're in a new and living way. And so the Bible says that we... This is what Jesus destroyed the temple in 70 AD. It was an evidence that he has done away that old system. He rent the veil in two. He demolished. Not one stone was laid on another. He resides in the inner man, the Holy of Holies. Now, I want you to understand right here, if you go to John chapter 7, as I've said, we're going to be reading quite a bit of scripture, and I hope that you bear with me. This might be a little bit longer than usual, but I I promise you, it will bless you, it will will encourage you, it will inform you. If you turn to John chapter 7, verse seventy three and as i've said already, i'm building up to a much larger point and we will be will we we'll, we will discuss tongues here shortly <clears throat> john chapter seven verse three excuse me is it three no um be 23 hold on <clears throat> give me one second oh excuse me John chapter seven verse thirty eight. There we go. <clears throat> As I've said, we're gonna be we're gonna be delving into scripture. So if you have your Bibles, do turn there, or if you just want to read it there on the chat, if if my wife pulls it up, in in either case, <clears throat> I want you to see that it's there in the text. Let, let, let us actually begin at verse thirty-seven. On the last day, in the greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Verse 39, By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Now, <clears throat> a couple of observations. Number one, Jesus is inviting them on the last day of the feast when they have already been well drunk. They have already been well fed. And so it, it comes as, an, He invites them in a time where, naturally speaking, they will not have desired another drink. And so Jesus often invites people, not when it's convenient for you, not when you're necessarily desperate, he invites you when he, when he speaks, right? So if if, this is why if people who aren't ready, the preacher will come, but even if they're not ready, the ark is still going to close. So we ought not to assume that the Lord is going to speak in a time that's convenient for us. We look at the watch and say, oh, you know, i got to bury my father. Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead. He says, oh no, you know, uh, I can't come to the banquet. I just got married, Lord. But what is more important? He says, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world but forfeits his soul? There must be a sense of urgency to the invitations of God. And so he is inviting them on the last day of the feastes who's ever thirsty they're probably not thirsty at this time but naturally speaking but although I'm sure there were some there that were they might have felt like man we've been you know observing these festivals and and this really isn't satisfying we have drunk to our hearts content and I'm still empty I know many of us have been there. We smoked our last blunt. We sniffed our last line. We, we slept around. We, we drunk. But at the end of the day, we're still empty. And so the invitation of God was still there. Whoever is thirsty, come and drink. But this okay. is this is an invitation that the Lord is giving. And it's talking about the Holy Spirit. And what does He say? Rivers of living water will flow out rivers of living water will flow from within them. So here's here's a couple things that you must know. Is Number one is that the rivers come from within. See, th- this is uh, what I've learned, is that the devil speaks from out into you. The Holy Spirit speaks from in, out. Amen? Because the Holy Spirit is within us, and so he speaks from in, and it comes out, Whereas the devil is without and he speaks into your mind. And so the Holy Spirit is is wanting to flow. This is why we said the Holy Spirit flowed. is because you can stop flow. You can stop it with your traditions. You can stop it with your hatred. You can stop it with your bitterness. You can stop it with your unforgiveness. You can stop it with your rebelling. You can stop it with all these different things. And so the Holy Spirit is wanting a clean vessel, a channel for Him to flow through. You can can stagnate the waters of the Holy Spirit by your unbelief. The Lord wants you to speak. The Lord wants you to speak up. The Lord wants you to encourage. But a spirit of unbelief comes over you. A spirit of fear comes over you. And God tells us that we don't have that spirit, but we have a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. Amen, so <clears throat> now, if you would now I'm building up number one is that the Lord wants us to be empowered in our inner man, and our inner man is the Holy of holies, and it's the Holy of Holies because we together are as being built together as the temple of God, and in this temple, in this holy of holies. The Bible tells us rivers can flow out from within that temple, from within that holy, uh, uh, the Holy of Holies. Now, I want to direct your attention to Ezekiel chapter 47 to give a proof text that this isn't just New Testament language, neither is it just me playing gymnastics with the Scriptures to get it to say what I want it to say, to sound figurative and poetic and metaphoric, If you look in Ezekiel chapter 47, all the way in the Old Testament, you already find a prophecy concerning what was to come. You find a description of the very thing that I'm talking about. If you go to, again, Ezekiel chapter 47, the first verse, it says, "...the man brought me back to the entrance to the temple," and i saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east for the temple faced east the water was coming down from the under the south side of the temple south of the altar he then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east and the water was trickling from the south side and it talks about here also it says, verse 12, "...fruit trees of all kinds will grow on, bank, on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them." Their fruit was served for food, and their leaves for healing. Now, this is why you cannot bear fruits of the Holy Spirit until you have the rivers of living water flowing out from your inner man, in the temple, from the holy of holies. Do you see that? Amen. And what does the Bible say in Revelation that there is there is a river that 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 flows from the tree of life? Have you read that in Revelation? We're looking for an actual tree, and an actual river, when the Lord is saying that the river is within. And in Ezekiel 47, He's telling us that if this river is flowing, that we will bear fruit. We will bear fruit for ministry. We will bear fruit for the gifts. We will bear fruit with love. You see this three-prong for uh, for, uh, gifts, for ministry and for love. But if we're not allowing it to flow, there's going to be a stagnation in our lives. Amen? Amen. Are we following? Amen. Now I want to say, and, and again I know this is a lot of information, I hope that we're processing this. So to sum up, the Lord wants us to be strengthened in our inner man, which is the holy of holies. And we the holy of, inside the inner man is the holy of holies because we together is a temple of God, right? And Jesus describes this reality as being rivers of living water flowing out from that inner man. And that river of living water comes as a result of his holy spirit. Okay? Now, I want to also add one other description. The Bible talks about you are the light of the world, right? And a city on a hill cannot, it says that that no one puts a a, a basket under this light to hide it, but that we're a city on a hill. This is what Jesus talks about in the Beatitudes, right? From Matthew chapter 5 up to 8, this is the Beatitudes of the Sermon on the Mount, Right, we're all familiar with that, and so he says, You're the light of the world, and Jesus himself is the light, he is the capital L light. But the Bible describes us as a city, okay. And if you turn quickly to Revelation chapter 22, Revelation chapter 22, verse 1. It says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down to the middle of the great street of the city. See, the Bible uses a lot of metaphoric language. So he's saying that from the city flows these rivers of water. This crystal clear water, this pure water. And this is why it says in Psalm chapter 46 verses 4 through 5 that there are streams they make, make glad the city of God. Right? So those streams are the Holy Spirit and we as the people of God are that city. There's there's a lot of language to be used. There's the temple, there's the city. Right, and from this city, from this temple, flows these rivers of water. And what does the Bible say? It does for us. It says it makes glad the city of God. If you want to turn there, uh, just real quickly, Matthew—not Matthew. Not Matthew uh, Psalm chapter forty-six. Psalm chapter forty-six, for verses four through five. <clears throat> We are that city of the Lord, and we cannot be hidden. We're a city on a hill for all to see. Psalm 46, verse 4 through 5, there is a river. The river is the Holy Spirit. We are the individual streams whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. Where does He dwell? He doesn't dwell within temples made with hands. He dwells in our innermost being. God is within her. Within who? We are the her. We are the bride. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. So, there is a single river, But there are individual streams, and we together as a city, that's why it requires more than one man of God to be flowing. We all have to be flowing with individual streams as we are sourced from that main river if we want to see the entire city of God glad. It requires more than just a match for there to be fire in the house of God, for there to be fire within the city of God, for there to be uh, a a throng of of water pressing and gushing, we must together yield our hearts as this stream, that stream, that stream, this stream, that stream are all sourced from this river so we can together partake. Amen. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> Bible says in Psalm chapter 36, also uses language to describe the Lord in verse 9. It says, For, for with you is the fountain of life. we read that we read that in Revelation. He is the fountain of life in your light. We see light. Remember, so he's the water and he is the light. The light is in the city. The streams are in the city. We are that city, Jesus says. Now, okay, so one last verse, and I won't have you turn there, but in John chapter 4, what does Jesus say to the woman at the well? If you drink of this water, you shall never thirst again. Now, that's a paradox because in one sense, we, 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 we will not thirst again in the sense that we will not be searching for that which will bring us Satisfaction. But we will thirst again in this way that after we've drunk of the wells of living water, we must continue to draw out from that source that never runs dry. Amen. So, so some of you might be thinking, well, I just prayed today or I just prayed yesterday. See, it's not that God doesn't satisfy. It's that He offers you water for free, but it's not without labor. See, he gives it to you as a gift. So if I say, yo, I'm going to pay for your entire tuition. It's going to be at the bank, but I don't got time to drive you there. Go drive yourself. I don't got a car. Well, then you got to walk. Yeah, I paid for your whole tuition. You can't walk there. Amen. <laughs> right? It's like the thing that was, was, was most difficult for Jesus to provide the water. The water is secured because of the blood. Jesus already gave his life so you, he already gave his blood so you can have water. Now what he's asking for you to do is continue to draw from those wells, to continue to quench your thirst. What, what does Peter say? You as newborn babes continue to desire the pure milk of the word. The Bible says in Titus that the word washes. And just FYI, just for your information, if you didn't know in John chapter 3 verses 5 through 6, when it says born of the water, it's not talking about water baptism. If it was talking about water baptism in Acts chapter 2 and uh, Acts chapter 10 and all these other passages in scripture where they're baptizing them in water, they would use that language born of water, but that's not what they use. In the original language in the Greek, there's something called Granville Sharp's Rule. I'm not going to explain how the grammar is broken down. It will just confuse the heck out of you. But suffice it to be said that the water and the spirit in John chapter 3 verses 5 through 6 are interchangeable words because of the grammar there. Now, so when it says I am born of the spirit, that is to say I am born of the water because the water is the spirit and the spirit is the water. Amen? It's not talking about water baptism. Amen. Now, <clears throat> with that said, this water produces power. This water produces strength. The Bible, now, what is this water? It's the Spirit. But what does water do? It refreshes. Isaiah talks about with stammering lips will I speak to these people and this shall be their refreshing. What was he talking about? Even as old as Isaiah, he's talking about tongues. So when Jesus spoke in John chapter 7 verse 38 about the spirit that was to be poured out, we see the manifestation in Acts chapter 2 uh, at which fulfilled Joel chapter 2 and what did we see on the day of Pentecost when it was fully come that cloven tongues of fire sat upon each of them and they all began to speak in tongues as the spirit gave utterance. Amen? As the Spirit gave utterance, they spoke. Now there is a there is a dual, uh, uh, um, relationship and connection there. The Spirit gives the utterance, and I do the speaking. The tongues will not come if I do not speak. Okay, the Bible it says the Spirit gave utterance as they spoke. And so, you know, some of us, it's the same thing with prophecy. Some of us are wanting to be able to prophesy, but we will not speak. The Bible says in Jeremiah, if I'm not mistaken, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. See, he won't fill it until you open it. Right. It requires faith to open it, and as you open it, he will fill it. But if you don't, see here's what we always do, we want to premeditate, oh what if God this, what if God that, see we're not filled enough, because if we're filled, it will come out, it will gush out, we need to be being filled. And that's what the Bible says in in, uh, Psalm chapter 23, my cup runs over. You know, I love that song by Juanita Bynum. I don't know if you guys ever listened to her deep worship, but she says, I want the overflow. I don't just want it to the brim, but I I want the overflow. And as charismatics, I want you to be assured if you are dry and if you're feeling downtrodden, if you're feeling whatever, the Bible says that there is a place that we can come in God where there's an overflow, where there are streams and you're allowing it to flow. But see, the thing is this, in the temple, there are gates and the Bible says, open ye, it says, open the gates. You open the ancient doors. Well, what are those doors? The those are our eyes, those are our ears, and those are our hearts. That's why Jesus says, "I stand at the door and I knock." He's not knocking at a literal door. He's knocking at the ancient doors of your heart which is in the temple of the Lord, and he's wanting those doors to open just like in Ezekiel so that the waters can gush forth. Amen. But if you do not open, it will not flow. You know why? Because it comes at a price. It comes at a cost. Because if you open the door, that means that you have to be vulnerable. That means that the Lord has to come in and clean some stuff up. That means it the, you don't, know, you know, there is a um <clears throat> There, there was some dude who knocked on my door just recently. He was a stranger. And um, I, I had it. You know, he looked sketchy as, like, as can be. You know, and he wasn't even saying sensible things. I didn't know who he was. But I peeked the door. And, you know, I'm ready. He's going to barge in because I'm going to do something if he does. Uh, I'm not going to be no doormat. I don't know about you. I'm not going to be doormat. It's prob- he's probably going to get knocked out or something. I'm just telling you. I mean... You know, I got a family and kids. I'll just it'll be you know, I'll have mercy, just put it that way. But um I, I, I'm peeking and I'm like, what's up? He's all oh yo, you know, this blah blah blah, this and this and that. And he's acting he's all so why you gotta peek like that? I'm like, what are you talking about? Do you come to my house? <laughs> what? Bye. You know, and so that that sounds rude, but it's like Yo, I don't have any obligation to open my door to you because you're not trustworthy. I don't know who you are. And I'm not gonna be this gullible, uh uh airheaded, naive Christian that gets uh robbed or something. That's dumb. Be wise as serpents. Wise as serpents. Some of you might say that's not gentle. Well no, it's it's gentle because he didn't get harmed, right? Amen. So, um, (laughs) anyway, um, so my point though, is that the Lord, you can open the door to the Lord because he's trustworthy. You can open the door to him. You don't have to be, you don't have to feel sketchy. You don't have to feel what are the... uh, was uh, Aiden still in here? I'ma use uh, the language of the Gen Zs. You, you don't have to feel sus. Is that right? <laughs> he ain't sus. Bro. <laughs> Sorry, I'm probably I butchered it for you guys or something. <laughs> you asleep, Aiden, or what? Wake up. You're looking sus right about now. <clears throat> so. But this is the power. This is the power that the Lord wants us. In Mark chapter 16, let let, let me break down a couple more verses and then um, I'm trying to get through this quickly. Mark chapter 16, I'm sure that you guys know it, it's been cited many times. It says, uh, these signs shall follow them that believe. And in the description of those signs, what does the Bible say? that they shall speak in new tongues. They shall speak in new tongues. And, and I don't want any of you, look, what I'm doing, the Bible says faith comes by hearing of the word of God. And the Lord been dealing with me about this because I know that not all of us speak in tongues. So it's not a matter of feeling less than or anything like that. But I'm preaching to incite faith in your heart because if it's not preached and you do not hear, faith will not come. So I'm telling you, in Mark chapter 16, the Word of God says that if you believe, you shall receive. If evil fathers know how to give good gifts to their children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask? But the reality is this. Have we mastered the nature of prayer as Jesus describes in Luke chapter 18 verse 1? That men ought always to pray and not faint. See, I had the privilege of being saved and baptized in the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues on the first day. But you know what? It had taken three months until the Lord heard my cry to save me. See, what we've done, and I, I love what Leonard Ravenhill said, we've made it so easy for people to get saved. Just come to the altar, say the sinner's prayer. But you know what? One observation pointed out, he says, many of them are coming damned and they're leaving damned. They don't get born again. They don't get the the new birth. They're not reborn. I'm not saying that God can't use a sinner's prayer. I know that people have been saved and God has used that. But like Paul Washer said, he saved them despite that. On the one hand, we don't want to make it too difficult for people to get saved. But we don't want to make it easier than what the Bible doesn't allow us to say and preach. We need. I love this story, man. I respect Paul Washer so much for this. I love him for this. There, he went to go preach in this very uh, this small, small church. And while he was there, what happened was there was a man who's a uh, he was a a large man. He said he looked very intimidating, and he didn't even believe the Bible. But he came because he had um, received news that he was going to die, and die soon. He only had maybe like two weeks to live. The the doctors told him, he says, you know, and he went up to Paul Washer after the meeting. He says, you know, I've never been worried about anything a day in my life. I'm not scared. He says, but if what you're telling me is true, that if I die and I'm going to go to hell, I need what you have because I only have two weeks to live. And Paul Washer said, you know what? I will do this. He says, I will cancel my flight and I will stay here with you every day until you get born again. I will go through with you in the scriptures until you are saved. And he would continue to read John 3.16. Read the scriptures. He says, I see it. I, I, I read it, but I I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm saved. He says, Well, let us go John 3.16 again. He says, he says, we've already read that. He says, I know, but let us read. Let's pray that God will open your eyes. Let's read. He says, For God so loved the 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 world, God loves me. And he says, how do you know that? He says, haven't you seen it before? (laughs) Haven't you seen it? (laughs) He loves me. That is what the new birth is. You can read it a million times, but until you have been given sight, you will not see it. But I'm telling you there is something beyond just a new birth and it's the baptism of the Holy Ghost that will give you power. The power to live a holy life, power to to be to do great exploits for God. But you know what the source of the power is is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And how can I say that in John In the 20th chapter, Jesus breathed on them the Holy Spirit. He says, receive ye the Holy Spirit. And then if you parallel that to Luke, it says, then he opened their minds to the scriptures. So that the receiving of the Holy Spirit is the opening of the mind to the scriptures, as in the case with this man in Paul Washer. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit gives you power to live out the Christian life. That's why in Acts chapter 2, why do you see that there's a unique experience? Why wasn't John chapter 20 before the day of Pentecost sufficient? Because Jesus says, even after that, wait and tarry into Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. I understand that's a complex thing. And you know what? I don't claim to have all the answers to work all that out. People debate that stuff. But you know what? There's one undeniable thing that some people call it the second blessing. But whatever you want to call it, I see it in the scriptures. And I know it to be true. And this is why there are so many churches, I don't care where you go, in California, in Europe, in Asia, there's going to be a lot of churches that are trying to undercut tongues today. They're going to try to say that it's some sort of fanaticism. They're trying to say so much about it. You know why? Because they're listening to doctrines of demons. And that's what they are. They're demonic doctrines. Because anything undercuts the power of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you think that's the Lord? That's not God, that's the devil. Amen. That's what good liars do, they tell half truths. Did God really say? Oh, you know those tongues, you know, you don't even know what you're saying. You can't even understand what they're saying. Did God really say? You're not used to that. Come on, man. (laughs) You know, this is the twenty-first century. We believe in science. And you're like, oh, you know, that is kind of true. And then meanwhile, the devil's giving you a little back rub. Oh that yeah, that does feel good. Hey, I don't have to press myself no more. You know, I don't I don't really have to step out in faith. I'm kind of loving this doctrine, it's kinda of itching my ears. Oh, yeah, give me right there. That's what we're doing. And the Bible, I'm just using biblical language. He says in the last days, there will be men who will give you doctrines to to scratch your itching ears. You will not endure sound doctrine. And sometimes to hear sound doctrine requires for you to endure it. It's not always a comfort. What does the Bible say in the book of Revelation when John the Apostle he had to swallow the scroll and it was bitter at first but the end thereof was sweet as honey. But what does the Bible describe of sin? It says her her talk is as smooth words as honey from the honeycomb but her end is bitter as wormwood. Every pleasure comes at the price of pain whether godly or ungodly. Every pleasure comes at the price of pain. Every pleasure comes at the price of bitterness. In order for for you to receive the crown of life, you must die on a crucifix. But if you want the crown of this life, you will die on an eternal crucifix in hell. Man, that's so shattering. But in Mark chapter sixteen it says these signs shall follow them that believe. And remember, the goal is power, that we may grow up in the full measure of God. But if you look in chapter uh, Luke chapter twenty four verse forty nine, and this is the the discourse that Jesus gave toward the end. Okay, so Matthew chapter twenty eight when he commissions the disciples. Mark chapter 16, when he gives a description of the signs that follow them that believe, and Luke chapter 24, verse 49, are all paralleled scriptures describing the same event. And it's all concerning the commission, because this is after the resurrection. But in in the an account of Luke, what does he say in Luke chapter 24, verse 49? Do you follow that? Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission, where he says, Go out into all the world and make disciples. Um. when he says, go out into all the world and make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and he says, uh, lo, behold, I'm with you until the end of the age. That's the same event as Mark chapter 16 after the resurrection, but, in, but they describe it different angles of the same event. It's kind of like, and, and I've learned this from an apologist. He said that, uh, as an investigator, because he was a he, he he was an investigator, and he said whenever there was car accidents and they were trying to describe the event, person A on the south side and person B over here on the north side and person C on the east side will all recount the same event, but with different details Unf- unfailing every single situation it would always be the case because perception will give you insight into specific details that the other person did not have. And so it's the same thing. Why do we have four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? There are all different authors with different perspectives recounting the same exact events. That's why there's no contradiction. Amen? But right here, retelling that event, when he's commissioning his disciples, he says this in the 49th verse, I am going to send you what my Father has promised but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So they waited in the city in Acts chapter 2. And some theologians believe that they stayed there 10 days praying. Because from the time that Jesus had uh, Gary Habermas, now I was thinking of, uh, oh boy, maybe you know his name, in case Christianity. No, that's uh, Greg Kokel. No, 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 that's, that, a, that's Stand that's to Reason. That's, that's Jay Warner, I think. Yeah, yeah, y- exactly. Yeah, you got him right. Thank you. I remember that I read his book. Right on, man. That's good material. Helps you to definitely stand on your feet intellectually with, with uh, critics of the scriptures. Um, I'd advise... Uh, G- Gary Habermas is also a good guy. He's historian um, <clears> historian <throat> of antiquity. Um, he has... Wonderful case arguments for the resurrection and stuff like that. James Warner uh, Wallace, my bad. But yeah, that's his name the fuck James Warner Wallace. Yeah, yeah, thank you for that information. And and I wanna say too, um, on the side, as charismatics, we tend to get a rep for like being anti intellectual. It's all just spirit. No, it's spirit and intellect. It's spirit and intellect. Just because we believe in the power of God doesn't mean that we have to dumb ourselves down. <clears throat> but right here in Acts chapter 2, they're waiting for power. But what happens, and remember that keyword power, that's what we're aiming at in, in accord with Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, that you may be filled with power in your inner man, right? To the fullness of God. Now, what happens? It says, Chapter two in the book of Acts, the first verse. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came in heaven from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. These you know, I love uh, Ravenhill's uh, dry humor. He says they were up in, you know, in the day of Pentecost. The early church was in the upper room waiting. Um, um, what would he say? Oh, he says they were in the upper room. He says today we're all in the supper room. <laughs> 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 we don't, we don't want to wait and pray. We want to go in the supper room. Everyone wants to join when there's a potluck. It's like, oh, sister, I haven't seen you in like two years. Where you been? Oh, you know. <laughs> It always happens that way. (laughs) But It says, They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled. That's what we're looking at in Ephesians, right? Ephesians chapter 3, to be filled with the fullness of God. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And so, before this time, they were cowards. They were made of flesh and blood just like you and I. But when power came upon them, the same Peter that denied the Lord Jesus is now standing before the Sanhedrin council with his finger pointing at them. He says, judge for yourselves whether it's right uh, before God to stop speaking in his name but for our for as for ourselves we cannot but speak of the things we've seen and the things we've heard why because it is coming out from me it's like a fire shot up in my bones and i cannot help but speak of the things which i've seen and the things which i've heard amen i remember when i when i first got saved I got saved at 17. So I'm up at high school and I'm telling every student that I can about the Lord. And I've shared this story before, but there was this girl. She said, aren't you ashamed to hold that Bible in your hand? And she had a boyfriend and the boyfriend was next to her. And I said, are you ashamed to hold hands with the one you love? And to be identified as his girlfriend? She said, no. I said, well, I'm not ashamed to be identified by the one who loved me and gave his life for me. Because it's not I who lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. You know, I I remember, um, I was working at the slaughterhouse And I just had on my helmet, you know, because we had a word, protective gear, I had, I love Jesus. And everybody's clowning me for it. And, but here's the thing. So what? So what if I'm clowned? All that joy and all that laughter will soon be gone as you're consumed by the uh, uh, unquenchable belly of hell. And that's not what I desire for them, but that's what Jesus saved us from. You know, like Linda Ravenhill pointed out, and it strikes me so much. He says, he says there are people in hell who pray, but they never, but it's never answered. Like the man, the rich man who, who, who was consumed by hell. It says he prayed in the wrong place to the wrong person at the wrong time. He prayed to hell and he prayed to, uh, to, uh, to the, uh, uh, Abraham. And he prayed at the wrong time, but it's never answered. And he, in fact, he says, you know, uh, if I rise from the dead, I could tell my brothers. Oh, they will believe. He says they have. But what was the response? They have law. They have Moses and the prophets. If they don't believe them, they will not believe one who is risen from the dead. That's true. And it's no different than today. Jesus rose from the dead and they don't believe the voice of the Son of God. They don't believe the one who raised from the dead because they themselves are dead. <clears throat> but, Acts chapter 2, they're filled with power. And this is the last passage. And we'll close out with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I love that this passage is in here. I want you all to be encouraged to pursue after this gift. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Holy Spirit. We'll stop right there at that first clause. Just so you know, I'm, I'm using language that maybe some of you are not familiar with when I say clause. A sentence is made up of several clauses. What a clause is, for example... If you look right here, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, comma, that's a first clause. That's not enough to make a sentence. Okay, so I'm giving you language just to help you to know, just to help you to serve as tools. So when I describe these things, you know what I'm talking about. But that's the first clause there. And it says, in fact, in the Greek language, you know, the word there eagerly desires the same word for lust. That means this earnest craving. You know, people say, you know, you charismatics follow uh, the gifts too much. You guys follow signs. Well, Mark chapter 16, it says the signs follow us. To To those who believe, but here's where it begins, is eagerly desire, earnestly desire, earnestly crave for the gifts of the Spirit, he says, especially that you, especially prophecy, but here, this is where I want to provide a teaching is as I've built up already. We've, we've, I've explained to us that we're that temple. We're, we're strengthened in the inner man. The inner man is in the Holy of Holies because we're the temple, but in that inner man, the Holy of Holies gush forth like the book, the, like the Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 48 will flow rivers of living water. And this is describing the Holy spirit, the baptism of the spirit. And through that, we're filled with power. As we read in Luke chapter 24, right? In verse uh, 49, that we will be endued with power from on high. And that's what we're aiming to get at in Ephesians chapter 3, where it says to be filled with power, right? After the fullness of God. And so, one of the tools that Jesus that the Lord has provided in orders to fulfill that is to pray in tongues. Uh, every person that has prayed in tongues knows that tongues is like a supercharge to your prayer life. Thanks. And <clears throat> prayer, I'm not saying prayer, I'm not saying prayer in English or in your native tongue isn't good. God can still bless that. But if the Lord wanted us to stay there, he would not have given the church this gift. Now, I want to say on the side, I understand some of us might be thinking of passages, you know, or, or things or reasoning within our mind. Am I some of it, let me just clear this up. Some of you who are saying I'm not worthy of this gift, you need to get that out of your mind already. None of us are worthy of anything. We're all worthy of hell. But Jesus has decided to save all of us by his precious blood. So the idea of being worthy is out of the question. You don't have to be some super saint in order to receive the gift of tongues. You don't have to be some super saint in order to receive the gift of prophecy. You just got to crave. You just got to desire. You just got to believe God. That is the minimum requirement. That is what Jesus asks of us. And what is, is it too difficult? He says, if you have a mustard-sized seeds of faith, that is enough. And that is a small faith. But the mustard seed, it grows up and grows up. So you begin there, but you flourish in faith, from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from one image of glory to the next. So where you were a year ago is not where you should be today especially after hearing of joining Wednesday prayer meetings after hearing prayers so much, you should be built up in your inner man with a power you did not have a year ago. you should be in a pro- progress of faith unlike you were two years ago. But I'm telling you that this, the Bible declares, and it's still for today. And if Paul is telling us, remember, this isn't a suggestion. Paul isn't saying this is a cute idea. I would like for you to, this would probably be cool. He's saying very clearly, it is an imperative statement. That means it's a command. So when he says, um follow the way of love, that's a commandment. It's not a suggestion. What do we follow the way of hate? No, we follow the way of love and ego is Eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. It's a commandment. So let me ask you this question. Are you doing that? You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to say amen. But I want to ask you personally. Are you doing that? He doesn't even say desire. He says eagerly. Crave it. Some people say this. I just rejoice in the fact that I love the saints. But I don't use my gifts. Lies. Because Paul says the way that you manifest your love for the church is that you edify the church with your gifts. If I have, I'm not going to belabor the point, but I I think it's enough to say that. But he says, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. And I want us to read this verse by verse. If you have your Bibles, make sure that you're there in 1 Corinthians 14. We're on verse 2. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Now some of us, see this is what cessationists love to do and they just love to cherry pick. Cessationists are those who don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. And as I said already, I know this teaching is taking long but this is primarily for purposes of education. You're being educated in your faith. Okay? I know that we're probably more familiar with the preaching aspect. Then we are the teaching. Because I preach more than I teach. But I'm really teaching at this point. I want you guys to learn something. This will help you out. Now the cessationists let the cherry pick the scriptures. And say. Oh you know with tongues. It was an actual language. You see in Acts chapter 2. They were speaking. It, the men were under, able to understand. But we see very clearly. In the scriptures. I believe it's in 1 Corinthians 12. He says there are diverse kinds of tongues. Now the word kinds in the Greek means there is an actual different species of tongues. And what that means is this, as we will read here shortly, you can sing in tongues, you can speak in tongues, and you can pray in tongues. Speaking in tongues, God, I know someone personally, a a former pastor of mine who knows a brother, who went to Mexico, God gave him the gift of speaking in tongues, a a form of tongue, To he didn't know a shred of Spanish, and preached a whole sermon in Spanish. A whole sermon in Spanish. His translator wasn't there. He didn't know a single, he preached a whole sermon for about an hour in Spanish, because God graced him. There's another wonderful testimony about a missionary, I was listening to, uh, uh um, a recording from, a, um, from this preacher uh, who was from an old um, denomination that I was from. And, um, well, he was talking about his grandfather. His grandfather had gone to Russia. And he was preaching. He was preaching. They imprisoned him. He got out. He kept preaching. He says, you know what? If you keep this up, we're going to kill you. This was at a time where, you know, the you know, Soviet Union and all this stuff, and it was bad. Worse than it is today. And so he says, if you keep preaching in his name, we're going to kill you. And so what they did, he kept preaching. And finally, they took him and they were going to, they lined him up with another preacher or his translator. Didn't know a shred of Russian. And so they pointed their AK-47s at him. He says, do you have any last uh, desires? He says, yes, may I pray once more. He said, go ahead. And there's several soldiers there with their AK-47s or whatever assault rifles they have. And he says, he began lifting his hands. He began praying to the Lord. He says, oh Lord. He says, oh, you know, I don't know what it was that he was praying. But he he began to speak in tongues. <laughs> what happened was he kept speaking in tongues, speaking in tongues. He had his blindfold on. He says, I'm ready. Go ahead and shoot me. There was a dead pin drop silence. Not one of the bullets were fired. He lifted up his blindfold. And his translators. And then all the guns were on the floor. And his translator says. I thought you didn't know Russian. He says I don't. He began to speak in their own languages. God gave them utterance. And he was saying that the angel of the Lord. Is ready to strike any one of you down. If you kill me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you Jesus. That is the power of God, and it's still manifest today. But that is a diverse kind of tongue that is spoken in a language that can be understood, that preaches the truth of God. But the Bible says, that again, that there are diverse kinds of tongues, and the tongues that we're talking about is the individual tongue for our life of prayer. And in this way, the Bible says we speak not unto men, but unto God. It says, indeed, no one understands them. No one is no one. You know what it means in the Greek? No one. Try to get all deep, huh? <laughs> I, I've heard some preachers say that. You know, it's like, you want to know what it says in the Greek? Like, no one. Shh. Literally, no one understands him. This is a specific kind of tongue, as I've said, and it's there in the it's there in the Bible. Diverse kinds of tongues. Uh, hopefully, we'll get to it. <clears throat> but the one who prophesies prophesies speak to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. You know the word edify there. If you look in Jude chapter 1 verse 20, it's the same word. It says, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. That means that God wants you to create an edifice. What it means is to actually construct a building. That's what the word edify means. And so we are building and building and building. You want to know why many of us are weak in the spirit is because we don't build ourselves up. We are weak in the spirit because we do not build. And as a consequence, we don't have weight. The more you work out in the spirit, the more you have strength, the more you have weight. That's why with certain preachers, there's such a lightness because they do not have a rich intimacy with the Holy Spirit. So when they speak, there is no fire, there is no power and there's no rivers of living water. Because it's all head and it's shallow. And I've, I've had preachers accuse me saying I, I'm, I'm arrogant. No, people are offended by boldness. Don't forget that the sweet lamb that was meek and mild is also the lion of the tribe of Judah that will rip his adversaries to pieces. Man. You don't believe me? Psalm chapter 2. Why do the heathen heathen rage and the the people of this world plot in vain? For the Lord in heaven shall laugh and have them in derision. For he sees that their day is coming. Now obviously he doesn't desire the death of the wicked. But there's a cap at point. You keep messing with the people of God. You keep persecuting the people of God. God will persecute you. The Bible says those who curse you, he will curse. We've forgotten this aspect of God. But thanks be to God that if God be for us, for the church, who can be against us? Amen. You know, I was listening to a sermon last night and the, the man of God says, no one can toy with the prophets and be without a price. He says, even uh, Elimus, the sorcerer, he messed with a prophet of the Lord. And what was the consequence? He was struck with the blindness. Even the mercy of the Lord was on Paul before he got saved. It was not without a price. He was struck with scales on his eyes and he was blind for three days. You cannot mess with God's messengers and think you're going to be away free. There was someone that was on Instagram and they were slandering me because I commented on this little section. They were saying things. I said, I say, sister. I say, with all due respect, you better retract your words and repent because they're going to boomerang back to you. You have my word. And so, repent. You know, she blocked me. Because she knew what I was saying was true, but she didn't want to humble herself. It's biblical. It's biblical. <clears throat> um, but as we continue on, it says, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. But I would rather you I would rather have you prophesy. Now, here is where some of us say, you know, I'm not worthy. Paul is expressing his desire, says, I want all of you to speak in tongues. And so I will say the same thing to, to you. To all of you. I would that all of you speak in tongues. Don't dodge this. It's not something that should reveal it should in other words i'm saying i would that you all have a gift would you be offended if i if i offered you let's say if we're all coffee drinkers here and i have several mugs that were very expensive and i said i would have all you have this mug oh i'm not worthy brother i don't want that <laughs> you know i don't know if i deserve it have i worked enough for it i'm telling you it's a gift why are you going to reject it Because you can fill it. You can fill it up, right? (laughs) Anyways, that's a cheesy... Because we want to be filled to the measure of God. You can fill up the mug, right? Never mind. But, why would you reject a gift? Why? Why? It's for your profit. It's for your benefit. And some of us say that we would like to prophesy. But you know what? You know where it begins? Tongues. Yes, absolutely. It all comes with responsibility. Every gift comes with a responsibility. That's why Paul says, fan into flame the gift of God. Do not neglect the gift that was given you through the laying on of my hands. Don't neglect it. You can neglect tongues. Some of us have the gift of tongues in here, but we don't speak in it very often. When I first got saved, I I would only speak in tongues about like 10 minutes, and I would pray the rest in English. I've learned today that I speak in English about 10 minutes, and I pray the rest in tongues, because I'd rather be supercharged. It's there when I get revelation. It's there where I get power. You know, there was a man who spoke in tongues, You know there's several Christians that would speak in tongues and they would get download from God, revelation from God. They would get actual inventions from the Lord and are millionaires today because of revelation. Because when you speak in tongues, you speak mysteries in the Spirit. That's why Paul then says, He that speaks in an unknown tongue, pray that he may interpret. Do you know that you can interpret your own tongues? But the Bible says that it requires prayer, that you have to pray in your prayer, Lord, what am I speaking? The Lord may not always disclose it, but you can get personal revelation. That If you've ever wondered how I prophesy with accuracy to some of you, it's because I pray in tongues and I ask the Lord to give me interpretation. Is I keep praying. I keep pressing. And what it does also. Is you fast from the mind. Because you pray by the spirit. And the more you pray by the spirit. You're focused on this component. And not through the mind. And Paul says. Right here. It says. um, I want you guys to see this. So that you know. that I'm not just pulling stuff out of. You know. Out of a magician's hat. Um. Hold on, let me see. He talks about the mind being unfruitful. Okay, go to verse 13 in chapter 14. He says, For this reason the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. Now I understand he's talking about in a corporate gathering. But you can also pray in your personal time with the Lord that he give you revelation of those tongues. You might say, how do I do that? But the more that you pray in tongues, the more that you tune in with the frequency of the Holy Spirit, and you're able to interpret. It's not something that the carnal mind can receive. This is why the Bible says that the, the eye has not seen, ear has heard, neither heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of men what God has prepared for those who love him. But he has revealed to us this to us by his Spirit. He reveals like Daniel was given revelation of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. There's no way, humanly speaking, that he could have known this. It was by the Spirit. Okay? So, he says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So, so right there, if you see verse 14 in chapter 14. My mind is unfruitful. In other words, when I pray by the Spirit, I'm not using this. So what fasting of food is to the body, praying in tongues is to the mind. If I fast from food, I'm fasting food from my body. But if I pray in tongues, I'm fasting from my mind. That's why Paul says it's unfruitful. What's the purpose of that? Because I am growing in my dependence on the Spirit and I'm growing in my, I'm, I'm weaning myself off of relying on this thing here. See, already the carnal mind is saying, well, why, why do I need to do that? You have to be a spiritual man to receive this, because we don't walk by our sight and by what we can reason. We walk by revelation and sight by the Spirit. Yes. And the more you pray in tongues, the more you will be able to get revelation from God, speak mysteries in the Spirit, and say things that will confound even intelligent scholars. I'm going to share this testimony. <clears throat> There's a man, I'm not, I'm not going to say who it was, um, pray in tongues, 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 get revelation from God. He was called to go to debate at a high school. Because there was a Christian, a, a, a religious club that allowed Muslims, atheists, Christians to all debate their faith or lack thereof. And so they called this man, he was no scholar at all. But he came with the demonstration of the spirit and power and so, they, they welcome him up and say, you know, welcome up so-and-so. He's ready to debate, you know, whoever's going you know, to defend the existence of the Christian God, of Jesus Christ. And he's like, yes, he's thinking of this in his heart. He, he heard the ding, 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 like, you know, in a boxing match. Let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> That's how he felt in his heart, like, man them or make them look like fools but he's not there to debate he's there to demonstrate he's not there to debate cute ideas and intellectualism he, i i understand into, you know intellect is good i understand that absolutely but he came to demonstrate the spirit and power and so what and so there was a lady already ripped uh, a girl a high school girl ready to rip him the shreds that was an atheist and she was like i'm ready to ask you a question he says hold on let me first ask you a question he says, um, I'm hearing by the Lord, he says, and, and tell the class uh, that this is true. He says that you, you're actually a high school student, but you're already enrolled in college. You're a year in and you're studying to be a pediatrician and you have asthma on your lungs. She's like, what in the world? Like, who the heck are you? <laughs> Her hand went down and the rest of the <laughs> students' hands went down. And she said, how'd you know that? He says, come up front. We're going to pray and the fire of God is going to disintegrate that asthma. And then he got started getting words for the vice principal, for the professor, for the students. And he put a hot seat up there in the front. And he says, whoever has pain, come up in the hot seat and you get healed. You know, someone's leg grew out and he's getting words of knowledge and prophecy for these kids. And when lunch and then lunch is about to, and then there was an hour and lunch was about to uh, happen they were supposed to be released for lunch none of them wanted to leave and so then they had to leave though and then the following class came in same thing and so when lunch was over the second class came out they they're standing at the door not all of them could come in right and God used, that's what revival looks like when you demonstrate the spirit and power. No gimmicks, no try to bribe people with money. Hey, if you answer this question, I'll give you $5. I appreciate the sincerity of people. But this is what the apostles did. They came with power. But you know where the power source comes from? This is we pray in tongues. That's where you get Revelation. That's where you're able to grow in healing. That's where you're able to grow. You know, I have testimony after testimony. I've I've seen people, you know, one time when there was a guy over here, uh, there was a kid, he came out of a high school, and I was passing out tracts. The Lord gave me prophetic words for him. I said, you believe in God? He says, you know, that's interesting. He says, I don't believe in God anymore. Today, a science professor told me about evolution. I don't believe him anymore. I was like, well, that's interesting. You know, um I said, well... Hey, well, God actually spoke to me about you. He says, You're, uh, the Lord told me that your mom is addicted to drugs and she got you taken away. And she's trying to get you back. She's trying to get custody from you and you actually leave with your grandma. And you actually really like cars. His face lit up like how in the world did you know that? And, and, well, anyways, after telling him the gospel, he came to believe back in God in the same day. He went from, not, I don't know if I believe in God, to not believing in God, to believing in God in the same day. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I got testimony after testimony. Time would fail us to share with hours of, of testimonies like this. But it came when I'm willing to be made a fool. By praying in what people don't understand. And it's tongues. Tongues. And and there, there are depths and there are dimensions in the spirit. If you would only open up your heart to this reality. So... As you pray in tongues, in the holy of holies, your inner man gets built up, and these rivers of living water begin to flow out. But as I've said, this text says in Mark chapter sixteen, it comes to those who believe. And as we've seen already in First Corinthians chapter fourteen, that Paul says, "I would that you all speak in tongues." So this is a desire. That comes from the heart of God. Because Paul is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And it's not just Paul speaking. It's the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is expressing his desire for the church. <clears throat> so, I will. I'm closing now and I will urge you. Here at the last, here are some applications I believe you can leave with. The way we see it in the first verse, eagerly desire. Not only tongues, but that you may prophesy. But prophecies will only be unlocked as you pray in tongues. Okay, so, but he says, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Okay, number two is you're to have faith. Mark chapter 16 these signs shall follow them that believe. And to believe, you might have to get some mental obstacles out of your way. And I can think of a couple. Stop saying that you're not worthy. Stop thinking you have to work for it. And freely receive. Because the Father wants to give good gifts to His children. And Lastly, I would say, observe the principle of of importunity in prayer. That is to say, Jesus says in Luke chapter 18 verse 1, Says, he spoke a parable to them unto this, in that men are always to pray and not faint. And so in other words, your prayer may require patience. You have a strong desire. You have faith. But you also have patience. You keep pressing in. <clears throat> I know a brother in the Lord. He was saved for many years. But it wasn't until... A prayer meeting one night and I was praying that night for someone to receive the Holy Ghost the, the baptism of the Holy Ghost and he spoke in tongues he was saved for many years I want you to understand that just because you speak don't speak in tongues doesn't mean that you're not saved that is a lie and it has abused the body of Christ it's not true but if you speak in tongues you will unlock power like you've never had before Amen. and you will get more revelation And you will begin to prophesy. You begin to hear the voice of God a whole lot more clearer. And that's how I hear the voice of God for my own life. As I pray and I pray and pray and pray. And the Lord begins. I get out of this right here. I tune into the Spirit. And the Spirit speaks to me. He bears witness with my heart. Okay. So if you want to live that abundant life. Where streams flow. That make glad the city of God. I would strive after that. Amen.